Hello, welcome to another episode of A Pastor and His People. I am Pastor Witt, here with Pastor, I'm sorry, Dr. Dave <laughs> How about Keen. That? How about that? How are you doing, good doctor? Feeling, fa- <laughs> feeling fantastic. Yeah, uh, are you ready for Thanksgiving? I am so ready for Thanksgiving. Is there one dish in particular that you're really looking forward to eating? I love all the dishes together. <laughs> you right? like one big pot? It is. We have a, we're having a debate in our house right now. Which is better, mashed potatoes or sweet potato casserole? Oof. And um, I think right now the family's leaning towards mashed potatoes, but Ellen's the cook and she's making sweet potato casserole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, so uh, we're continuing through the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Um, you had four points. Let's uh, read the text and we'll go through it uh, point by point. Yep. It says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Uh, your first point was, a complaint arises threatening the gospel. Um, but your introduction was talking about strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Hannibal, the master strategist, who went through the Alps with the elephants. Yes, to... the North American, North African elephants. So here's what I was thinking about the sermon. So I was trying to figure out how to, how to phrase this. And I think when I was reading um, one um, writer on Acts, and he mentioned Stott. And what Stott said is that, you know, the devil's already trying to thwart the early church. Uh, he's done, doing it by persecution. Mm-hmm. If I can discourage the, the, the apostles with persecution from outside the church, I might, you know, twist and thwart this effort. Then he does moral corruption within the church with right. Ananias and Sapphira lying to the Holy Spirit kind of not having a, a pure community neither one worked right. the, the word of God continued to increase and expand so here he's trying to distract the apostles it's more like a military strategy so how do I illustrate that well you know what is the great military strategist was Hannibal and how he uh, worked against his opponents do we realize how the devils work against us mm-hmm. and one of the reasons why I did that was because I do think that the evil one works in people's minds and hearts um, to distract them from what they should be doing, right? We think about uh, even Mary and Martha. Um, Jesus says to, to Martha, 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 you're being distracted by much serving, right? Mm-hmm. And she wasn't serving with the right attitude, the right heart. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes I've seen in my ministry here at the church, people are either... Um, overcome by things in the world, their own life. Uh, people are not willing to uh, sacrifice for the needs of the body. Um, people don't think they're, they're needed or valuable. So I think that there's, you know, the opening question, you know, in what ways are you being outwitted by Satan, right? What ways are you being distracted? Um, I was just hoping that the Holy Spirit would, would press things individually to people there. Did you have anything to mind? Um, or that you're kind of... Um... You have your finger on your child? Well, no, not necessarily. You know, I think that the, the, the congregation is so diverse mm-hmm. that, um, yeah. you know, this is one of the challenges when you're preaching is that every pre- every sermon that I preach, right, I have a choice to make. Do I go specific in my applications or do I go keep them generally broad? Mm-hmm. I typically keep them generally broad and ask questions, right, and just pray that the Holy Spirit would take it and apply it to people individually. Right. So I do that. I pray that I even pray that while I'm writing it, Lord, as I write this and as I preach it, will you please take this word and expose the ways people within our congregation are being outwitted by the evil one? 
That's good. Uh, which leads into your, the first point, a complaint arises threatening the gospel. Uh, that, and you said that there were dangers, right? You're, there are dangers to the gospel, right? That's your point. But you also said there's dangers to the joy of the church here. What yeah. did you mean by that? Uh, well, one writer, um, uh, Von Dam, said that um, that when we... Um, Jean-Claude? <laughs> Jean-Claude. Um, <laughs> Great I'm, I'm trying to think that where it was actually written. Um, he said that, that, that this is endangering um, the joy of redemption, hmm. right, in the community of the saints. So, you know, obviously the complaint in itself is a good complaint, right? It's certain widows are being neglected. Well, that's not a good thing. Um, we don't want to read into it too much saying, okay, this there's an ethnic racial tension going on here. Mm-hmm. That may very, very well be the case, right? You know, racial tensions has always, you know, ethnic tensions have always been in, in, in our culture, in our world. Um, it could simply have just been, hey, um, there's more Hebrews mm-hmm. and they're getting, you know, the other ones who are maybe not as prevalent are being forgotten, mm-hmm. right, or overlooked. I don't, mean, I don't think it was intentional, malicious. It was probably just an oversight. Yeah. based on administration, but a very real complaint. Right. Um, and because of that very real complaint, it's there's the threat is disunity in the gospel, mm-hmm. right? And that therefore we would reflect something different than what Christ had envisioned when he died for the church, right? Yeah. John 17, I want the, the church to be one as you and I are one, Jesus right. said to the Father. So our unity displays the gospel. So yeah. whatever our unity is being uh, challenged or threatened, that's that's... A threat to the gospel itself. Yeah. So, and you kind of, right, you call this complaint, right? You know, that can have a negative connotation, but you kind of actually encouraged members, right? Like, if you see something, you feel like something's wrong, give a, you know, be vocal, don't be timid to share your complaints. You know, there may be shortcomings or weaknesses that we should, um, you know, pay attention to. You've been here almost a decade. Have you maybe, any you remember that you're like, wow, that was very helpful for someone to speak up or any kind of... Yeah, I mean, I think there's just been so many. I, yeah. I think early on in my ministry here, the complaints were um, more of a spirit of criticism. I'm not getting in my way. Mm-hmm. I don't like what you're doing. It, it seems like, you know, you're you're changing things too much or too fast. Um, so it felt like it was more of a spirit of criticism. Uh, but there's been some that were like, hey, even how we... Um, you know, even last year, hey, how, how are we handling the surplus money? There are some questions from the congregation. Oh, that was really, really good for us to think through. Um, even widows being, not necessarily widows, but maybe some of our, our senior saints are shut-ins yeah. who are being um, not being cared for as well as they could have. Mm-hmm. Hey, have you thought about this? Um, I mean, the list really goes pretty long. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the idea of complaint, I th- I'm thinking about Habakkuk when he says he, he makes his complaint to God. Yeah. And, uh, and that God didn't, you know chastise him for it right. you know i think that this is often what the psalms look at you know we bring our, our complaint to god and then we have a pivot in terms of trusting mm-hmm. I, I think it's good for people to bring their complaint or their hate their their concerns um to our leadership because you know sometimes we don't see the concern you know we've been blind to it yeah. you know i think that there's been times even during the the, the months of, of covid that we were maybe forgetting about certain people who weren't here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was the battle of, you know, how, how do we un- keep a church unified in the midst of wearing masks where people are passionate on one side and passionate on the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think lots of those, you know, we were hearing that pretty regularly. And by God's grace, I would say most people, not all, but most who came with 
concerns and did it in a humble and gracious manner. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, beloved, just, just so you know this, like our con- sometimes the concerns are not against leadership. A lot of times the concerns are with something, something else that's happening in the body, right? Yeah. It's not the, the leaders are doing it, but other there's certain group in the church or one member of the church who's doing or saying one thing that may be divisive. Yeah, um, yeah I was just kind of, I'm listening to a podcast about another church and uh, just kind of hearing every time someone vocalized something they didn't like, they were almost like kicked out of the church. Yeah. And just, uh, so I was kind of encouraged of like, thinking about Park, like, there seems to be an open invitation to like, please, like, let us know. Like, and I thought that was really encouraging just hearing that, that well, very similar to hearing Act, Act 6, that yeah. they vocalize and the gospel flourishes, you know. I mean, Proverbs, right? A righteous man heeds rebuke, goes down to his inmost hearts, right? We should want to be rebuked because we should want to grow like, be more like, be more formed in the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what Paul says. He's, Paul says that, you know, uh, in First Corinthians 4, um, it's too light of, you know, like I, I have a clean conscience, doesn't I'm innocent, right? I could be yeah. wrong, you know, so I think God will reveal things in his time. Yeah, I think there's just a humility that we need to have, you know, when we don't do things perfectly. That's okay. We're all in this together. Yeah, maybe something uh, helpful, right, as you see family, you know, or maybe closer family, you say like, hey, let's go around and say what we're thankful for, but also maybe, like, hey, what's one thing, you know, I could grow in this year, and then make this kind of week be that, oh, a year later, how have I grown, and that and, might be a great conversation to have. Maybe not, not around Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> As I say, closer family this week. All right, guys, let's tell me how I messed up this year. No, I mean, listen, I, I, I have uh, made many mistakes as a, as a husband, but early on, I, I tried to develop a pattern of, hey, sweetie, where are areas I can grow in as a husband? Yeah. And, you know, when I was a younger, immature Christian, she would tell me, and I would get defensive, right? I basically was just... <laughs> hey, fishing. tell me about... That's not true. <laughs> I basically wanted her to say, what can I grow in a husband? Sweetie, you don't have to grow at all. <laughs> but that wasn't the case. That right, was the reality. Right. So, so now I just, we ask those questions and I'm in a more humble place as, a, as I've matured uh, to hear those things. Mm-hmm. Same thing as a pastor, right? Like, listen, I'm not defined primarily on how well I pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm defined because Jesus Christ died for me. I'm wrapped in the righteous robes of Christ. I am forgiven, holy, and blameless, right? So I don't need the approval of man, right? And so if, if I am uh, weak in an area, I can confess it freely. Why? It's because I'm defined by Christ, mm-hmm. not by my performance. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so we keep going, verse 2. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore... Brothers, pick up, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this day. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Your second point, a calling arises protecting the gospel. And you started, I mean, you had a lot here in this I had, point. I had a lot here, but here's one thing I didn't make specific. Okay. I used the word calling there, and I think there's two specific callings. There's mm-hmm. the calling of, I mean, I, I referenced it often in the actual point, but there's the calling of deacons, I think. There's this office of service. Uh, and then this the calling of elders, right? Elder pastors, yeah. right? Now, this is the apostles right here. But I think that what the elder pastors kind of fall in the line of the apostles. Their job is ministry of the word and prayer, where the office of deacon is, is a ministry of service. So there's two callings, and both those callings right. protect the gospel. Yeah, so you kind of 
made that remark of spiritual ministry versus physical ministry. Uh, physical ministry. Do I said you, practical, I think I said. Practical, yeah. I, it, yeah, spiritual is not really practical. Do you think we emphasize practical ministry too much or too less? Well, you know, it's funny because if, 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 depending on where I'm preaching the sermon, mm -hmm. right, I could have really strongly emphasized the preaching of the word and prayer, mm -hmm. right? Uh, that's a huge point. Um, the reason why I emphasize more about the idea of service and how what Paul, what, what I think Luke's doing here is the apostles are not trying to say that the the ministry of the word is, um, you know, more important in a, um, if the people who are doing it are more important, mm -hmm. right? I would say that he probably would think that the ministry of the word is the most important thing in life of the church. Yeah. That's why it must be protected. But it's not just protected by the person who's preaching and praying. It's protected also by the ones who serve. Right. And the ones who are working to have a church that is unified in, um, in Christ together. So, um, the reason why I mentioned it, focusing more on the service aspect in our church, is because most of the people in our congregation are not going to be elder pastors, right? Now, I could have said, we, you know, I think I made several references to this, but you want your pastors to be dedicated to prayer and ministry of the word. That right. serves you, right? That serves the congregation. Mm -hmm. um, but most of the people, right, applying their own lives, right, they're going to be more servants, right? And that's a beautiful thing that I kind of wanted to lift a little bit out of the text. That's good. Um, so I guess, so that was your emphasis. As a church, how do you think we hold practical ministry? Do we lower it or do you think we elevate it? Uh, I think, it, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be mixed, okay. right? I think um, we, we probably, the reason why I emphasized the sermon, I was feeling that I probably need to do, spend, do a better job highlighting it and showing its value. And uh, we probably get a pretty good diet of the importance of the word right. at the Park Baptist Church. By God's grace, uh, we, we see that. But I think in terms of having people see their everyday ministry is important uh, for the ministry of the word, right? right. So the, some, the person who uh, says, you know what, I'm going to take a, make a priority and I'm going to help um, on Tuesday putting the PowerPoint right together, right? Uh, which we need someone, so... You know, come come by. So I'm going to do that, so that the pastor doesn't have to do that. Yeah. Right. So, like I was just thinking about the the shelter that's going on. Someone asked me some questions this week about it, and I had no clue. Yeah. I am like, I have no, I don't, I don't know the answer to those questions. It's because I'm not responsible for the details, right? Yeah. Because I can't be responsible for the details of the shelter, right? That's right. happening. I'd be responsible for the cleaning schedule of the church and effectively counsel and preach the word on Sunday. Right. There's just no way, right? So, and I was, I was grateful for that. That's yeah. a sign of growth. So, again, we need more and more servants, not less. Yeah, that's good. What about you? What would you, what would you say there? Um, I would, yeah, it's hard for me to speak for the whole church. I'd say in my mind, practical ministry sometimes gets pushed down. Not from the pulpit or anything, just maybe it's just the books I read. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah preaching the word, preaching the word, preaching the word. But, like, here, I think is a great example that the practical ministry is like you said protecting the gospel and like the results that happen because this happens the gospel continues to go forth and yeah. I think you made that a good point that it's kind of one day we'll look back and we'll see how God is working through it all it's going to yeah. be amazing so. well and I, I felt the same thing right so I felt like you know maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's the thing as I listen to as a pastor um, 
I just felt that, so I wanted to make sure I, I kind of addressed the opposite. Yeah. And obviously, we went to that conference this past week thinking about, um, you know, heaven, right? Which was just on my mind, yeah. thinking about all that, all the ways that we don't see how our 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 monotony, right, serving in maybe small ways, affects the big picture. Yeah, which I mean, even that text, right, Matthew six, right, throughout the whole entire chapter, he says, you know, your father who sees in secret rewards you. It's always remarkable to me that he says that for prayer. He's going to reward you for praying. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like, usually like, oh, God's going to help yeah. me because I'm praying. It's like, no, he's going to reward you because you're praying. You're like, that's just amazing. Like, yeah. the giving, the all these things in the secret, that's kind of like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, a reward. Just for praying, he's going to reward you. That's that's just always uh, always blew my mind. Yeah, I remember um, when I was memorizing uh, the the. the the pastoral epistles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love what uh, Paul writes. He says that um, good works are also um, conspicuous; they can't remain hidden, right. right? So, like when you do good works, one day they will be they'll be put on display, right. right? So, like you know, God sees you know everything. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Women deacons. Yeah, uh, controversial. Women deacons. Yeah, so this is this is a, I, I've been getting this question a lot lately, right? Yeah. Um, I think partly because obviously we're, we planted a church uh, in August, and that church that we planted has female female deacons. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they are a autonomous church, so you know Trail and the leaders there, and that congregation has to make their own decisions for their for their church. Um, what I was trying to draw out in the sermon on this here's here's the thing when it comes to female deacons: should there be women deacons? I do think there's a there's a biblical case one can make for women deacons, right? right? And there's a biblical case one can make against women deacons. Yeah. Um, I think that you have to look at First uh, Timothy three, uh, verse eleven says their wives likewise, mm-hmm. right? It's probably a better translation saying the women likewise, right? right? Um, you know, again, and I'm drawing that out because if the office of an elder would be a um, a higher office in the sense of the spiritual responsibilities of the church. Yeah. Um, you would think that there would also be responsibilities for an elder's wives, right? right? Um, I think having um, qualifications for a wife, we are implying that the deacon has to be married, right? Which again, I don't think that's um, uh, necessary. Um, So I I do think that there's a picture there. The thing you have to wrestle with is Phoebe in um, Romans 16, is she a servant or is she an official deaconess, Right. Right. Um, and then you also have to reference First Timothy five, First Timothy five, which talks about women widows. It seems as if Paul is talking about a role of like a service of widows who are serving the church there, right? Mm-hmm. So there seems like to be almost a a office like role in terms of what he's talking about yeah. there. Uh, at the same time, when you look at this passage, right, right it says choose seven men, yeah. right? And I think the people who make the argument, right, um, you know, you might be be one who makes this argument, right. That women deacons are, are there, and we yeah. should have women deacons, right? Well, you have to wrestle with if, if Acts 7 or Acts 6 yeah. and the choosing of the seven men is the groundwork, the right. forerunning for the deacon office, yeah. why doesn't he say choose seven men and women, right? Yeah. Just as choose seven, choose seven men, yeah. right? So you still have to, okay, why is that? You know, so it's not as, it's super easy. Yeah. The other thing you have to consider is uh, what what Paul writes in First Timothy two, yeah. right? He says in terms of the the order and structure of a church, you have um, men in men are there are leading the whole, like for example, husband is the head of the wife, right. um, and then um, in the church you have the elders, right, who are called to be men, 
So Paul says, I don't permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Right. For years in Baptist life, uh, deacons were the ones who were exercising authority over the church, right. right? Well, therefore, then it would be wrong for a woman to serve in that role because then you're violating 1 Timothy 2. So this, I think it just takes a little bit of nuance. Right. It probably takes a little bit, you know, at least for our, in our setting, probably a little bit more of an overhaul, right, of even how we have set up historically uh, deacons in our body, right, yeah. to make 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 sense and probably consistent um, with the rest of Scripture. So let me, I guess, help our hearers and also help you is how long have you yourself and the elders been thinking about women, deacons, and involvement in the church and things like that? Yeah, so we have we we thought we probably talk. Um, I mean, I have been thinking about it since I became a pastor. Right? <laughs> so I've been here for ten years. So I've been thinking yeah. about it for ten years. And you know, one of the questions we often ask is, how can we honor and value women in the life of our body? How can we highlight them as ministers of God's grace uh, to each other, to our body, and to those outside of our walls? Yeah. Uh, so how can we not diminish or devalue them in any way? Right. right? So that's a regular conversation that includes. How what they should be participating in, in the public life of our church, right? right? Um, you know, again, I don't think that you have to be uh, in front of the congregation to be of value, right? So, you know, I think that sometimes that's a worldly idea. Um, but we also the things you do and things you don't do communicate what you value, right? So we always want to make sure that we're communicating what we believe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're not communicating what we don't believe, even by not doing things. Right. Um, so we we are regularly thinking about that. You know, so I think probably more formally, the last, you know, 18, you know, 24 months, uh, we've been thinking more about how do we, um, you know, include more, maybe women more involved in our services uh, publicly, um, reading scripture, prayer, um, you know, sharing testimonies, those sorts of things. So, um, and even the idea of of maybe a formal office of deacon, right? We have many women in our church who are already deaconessing if you would will, right? right? Uh, they are serving in a deacon-like function, right? right? They're serving in a specific task to take um, responsibilities and take, take um, uh, duties away from the pastoral staff mm-hmm. so that we can focus more on preaching and prayer. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think it's just very helpful because I think, uh, I, I think sometimes there could be like a miscommunication because like you don't see things or like, oh, you hear the text. I think it was good for me to know, like, oh, this is not like, oh, we should think about this. It's like, oh, no, we've been thinking about this and right. praying about this for time. There's been many conversations. And so it's not as, uh, I think some people would like it to be more straightforward and like, oh, it's very clear in the text. And I think your explanation of all the different scriptures and all the different situations, and even our church particular situation being not a plant, but a revitalization in the yeah. sense of we, we weren't made 10 years ago. We were 100 years, yeah. 100 plus years old. There's a lot of things that we have to consider and think about. And I think it was just yeah, and then you're also in a cultural context, right? And you don't want to, you know, everything that, so those of you who, who may think like, man, I wish there would be more, right? Ask yourself, okay, where's that coming from, right? Because, I mean, a lot of times the, you know, the, the, the feelings and the desires that we have of things that we don't like are often um, because we're kind of, in the world, mm-hmm. right, and we're swimming in the American culture that has put these ideals and these thoughts into in our minds and our hearts, right. and we don't even realize they've affected us. Yeah. 
that doesn't mean that, that those thoughts and those desires may be wrong. They right. may be right. And that we may be miscommunicating certain things, right? I mean, that someone came came to us recently and kind of had, had felt that, like, oh, man, well, in terms of, like, not feeling that women were as valued as they needed to be, right? And that was, I think that was on a Wednesday, right? And we spent, what, three two hours on a Monday talking about yeah. how can we further encourage the ladies in our church yeah. in the gospel, right? So, you know, again, so we're, we're not like we're, um, you know, we're not perfectly doing this, but we want to continue to wrestle through it, right? right? But, again... What does the t- scripture say, right. right? And I think that you can make a biblical case, especially if Acts six is the ground for the deacon office. Yeah. It says two seven men. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to say women deacons, there should be women deacons. Well, then how do you what do you how do you teach Acts six? Right. Well, then you would say well, the, the apostles are the ones who minister the word and prayer. Well, we no longer have apostles, so what do we have? We have things changed. Right. As things move on, so there's a way you can explain it, but it's not always clear. Also, what you're saying, Acts, the pre- pre- is it prescriptive? Is it descriptive? Yeah, is it, yeah, that's, that's good. A lot of things to think through and pray about. Uh, your third point: uh, a choosing arises displaying the gospel. Uh, verses five and six it says, "And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Hermenus, and Nicholas." a proselyte of Antioch. They, uh, these they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Um, you made a note here of the importance of regenerate church membership. Where, where, do you, where are you getting this from? Uh, did I make that point? You did. Okay. Um, the reason why I made it was because it said for the full number, of the, it pleased the full number of the apostles. Yeah. Right. So like um, that the, the seven men were chosen by the gathering, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't chosen by, by the apostles. Disciples. Full number of disciples. Full number of the disciples, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm, sorry. yeah, yeah. The apostles said, you guys, you guys yeah, choose, yeah, yeah. right? So because they trusted the Spirit of God in them. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's good. I think it's helpful. Yeah. Well, why is that important for our church life? Uh, well, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's important, one, how we set up our church, that if you're a joint member of the church, you're a Christian. We mm-hmm. believe you're born again by the Spirit of God. You have wisdom. Therefore, that you could should, should be able to share complaints, as we said earlier, but you also can can, can, can make decisions for the life of the body. Mm-hmm. So when we choose elders and deacons, we pull the congregation, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have any, we don't affirm anyone as a deacon or an elder without the congregational approval, right? It's not just a, a rubber stamp, right? Yeah. You know, and we've had... We have brought folk names forward, and people have come to us and said, "Hey, I have, I have a concern about this area," mm-hmm. and we've addressed that area, right? And we've seen growth in those areas that have been addressed. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, we just want to highlight the value of the congregation in the process. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and then something interesting about all these men. What is it? Oh, they all have Greek names. All have Greek names. And yeah. you made that really cool point that it seems like even the church here is, oh yeah, we'll lay down our preferences, even so much so that like, you know, it's was it. By accident, that they're all Greek. Like, they happen to be just these are the men that, or was it more of like, here, let's. You know, we don't know for sure. Yeah. But my guess is is that the uh, the Hebrews were like, okay, we do not want our Hellenist brothers and sisters to feel neglected or slighted in any way, mm-hmm. and we are willing to have these men serve in this place uh, because they can do the best job in it. Yeah. So yeah, I think it was it was definitely a very specific. We value our union with in Christ more than we value our own ethnicity. Yeah. Right. Which that's something we need to hear again. Mm-hmm. We value Christ and our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ more mm-hmm. than we value our ethnicity. 
which needs to be said again and again in our culture. Yeah, I think something I saw early on here at Park, especially was when we had a bunch of young college students and there was not really many people close to our age in the church, you know. Uh, and we were coming in early on in the revitalization stage that I think a lot of us, I saw a lot of growth in people because of the laying down of preferences, right? I think it's something very interesting that God uses in the church to say, uh, kind of like uh, you said, responses uh, with the uh, senior saints, right? With the music, when they heard it, it was like, not my cup of tea, but, you know, it fits what others want. Sure. And there's something about that that's very gospel-focused, right? Not my will be done, but yours, Christ humbling himself. I think if you want to grow in Christ, one of the best things you can do is, what are the things I can lay down as my preferences for other people? I, I promise you, one of the reasons why we, we have be, we moved towards becoming a healthy church was that very reason. People were willing to lay down their desires and their preferences for the sake of others. Mm. And when we have a church that's built like that, it's built on Jesus, mm -hmm. right? It's his glory. And uh, so, yeah, amen. Yeah. Um, and then you also made a note of the importance of being a servant. Is there something there about being a servant? Like, why is this so important here? Well, I mean, I think that, you, you know, they chose seven men, but those seven men had to be willing to serve, mm -hmm. right? You know, early on in my time here, there's a lot of men who were nominated, but none of them really wanted to serve. They weren't yeah. willing. Um, you know, listen, if you're going to be a servant in Christ's church, there's going to be sacrifice, there's going to be pain and longing and all that kind of, you know, all the effort that comes with it. Um, so praise God for those who are willing to serve, right? And so I was just kind of highlight again, like all those servants in our church mm -hmm. who serve so faithfully, my goodness, like it is a willing heart that does that, right? So, you know, Paul, or Peter says of, of elders, right, they must be shepherd willingly, right, not under compulsion. The same thing for servants, right? You should serve willingly. Not under compulsion, not to be guilted or, you know, um, you know, forced to it. No, I get to serve Christ. Mm -hmm. I get to make the word of God increase so people who are who are lost and going to to hell can find their eternal rest in Him. Mm -hmm. Praise God for that, right? Mm -hmm. So don't think any small thing you do for Christ is is not used for His glory. Mm, that's good. Just one quick question before we move to our last point. It says they laid hands on them. What does that mean? Uh, anytime they laid hands on the scriptures, they, not, they, they not like Grant laid hands, not the way he used. No, 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 not, well, not the way Grant <laughs> laid hands on it. Uh, that was just the idea of setting apart, right? You hear this a lot in in, in a lot of the message. I said set apart for the gospel, set apart, set apart. I use that in, towards the end of the sermon. That's the idea, right? When you lay hands on someone, you're setting them apart for this service. So when we have deacons and elders, we we lay hands on them, we pray for them, setting them apart for a specific task. Yeah. Uh, so last verse, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The last point, a church arises continuing the gospel. Um, and you made a great quote here, it's like, not about numbers, but disciples. Where'd you get that from, or what was making you? Um, well, I just think the, the, the word of God is increasing, mm -hmm. right? And they're growing in the number of disciples. Yeah. Right? I think it says that a great number of disciples were increased. That actually, yeah. The text says that. Um, yeah, so those people were not just kind of, the church wasn't just growing by in number, but they were growing by people who had been born again yeah. by the Spirit of God. That's good. I was really moved when I read that um, the priest became yeah. obedient to faith because Peter um, and the apostles kept on preaching the Word of God and praying, and they were able to do that because of the service of the people, right? right? The whole church is kind of working together. When things are 
the churches working together and they're, they're kind of fit, the whole thing kind of grows. Yeah. It's pretty beautiful. Yeah, that's good. What's the note of the priest there? Why is that so important? In Acts chapter 5, right, it says that um, Peter is speaking to the priest and says that if anyone uh, obeys Jesus, right, that they will have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't see Luke and Peter in, in, in Acts use the idea of obey often, yeah. but I, I think it's trying to draw us back that those who were hostile to the gospel in Acts 5, right. some of them even, Became convinced, right? Well, you know, and I just thought that was a really powerful that point is. that Luke brought out. So let's close with this question: Are you talking about the church working together? Um, what What would you say? And you kind of draw Ephesians. Uh, what is the goal of the church, and uh, what is the point of having different gifts under this goal? Yeah, so I think that the goal of the church is God's glory, always, right? We want to, you know, I think, you know, narrow it down. We want to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to grow up everyone into maturity to Him who is the head, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. So God gives everyone different gifts so that we can be service to others, right? Mm-hmm. So the unique gifts that God's given you in terms of your teaching gifts, in terms of the, the joy that He's given you, like that helps other people become more like Jesus, right? So God doesn't primarily give gifts to us, right? Now He gives gifts to us and when we exercise our gifts, we feel joy, right? You know, we feel delight in that we have this ability, um, but it ultimately is not about the gifts that we have. Yeah. It's about God gives them to us so that other people can benefit from them. So, right. you know, because you have listened to lots of sermons, because you have read lots of scripture, because you have given yourselves to the things of God, the people that you now minister to are able to benefit from that, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, I was actually thinking about that just this past this past week when someone came to my office and they shared their uh, their story of why they wanted to join the church. And they just said, you know, which ministry has meant so much to me. Well, that is not giving glory to you. That's giving glory to God because right. he gave you those gifts. Yeah. And yet you act upon them by the power of the spirit to grow and to learn and to give yourself to others so that, that others can become more formed in the image of Christ. Right. So that's what, that's what we want the whole body to do, right? It's not just one person. It's not just the senior pastor getting up and teaching. It's not just the elders getting up and teaching. It's everyone giving themselves mm. for each other. And I mean, I mentioned in my sermon, but my goodness, like our ladies are, are rocking and rolling right now, serving those right. those uh, ladies in the shelter. My goodness, it is so encouraging to see yeah. how many are serving, and you know, and how many serve our body all the time. Right. You know, like I get to the privilege of sitting in my office and during Sunday school and seeing yeah. Rich and Lynn um, serving with our twos and threes. Mm-hmm. Right, I see. You know, Jenny coming early on a Wednesday to make sure that everything's all set up for the kids on Wednesday night. You know? Stephanie Madison with the high school ministry, Jen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you just start like listing off names after yeah. names after names of people in our church who are serving Christ. Right. And if everyone does that, right, it's it, it's so that the word of God increases, right? right? That more and more people come to know Jesus, mm-hmm. and more and more people come to be formed into His image, and more and more people can. Uh, can, can bow their knee. And when more people bow their knee, God gets more glory, right? right? Yeah. So it's, 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 it's an amazing thing. You know, and then one day we get to hear about how all that works together. Right, I think in Matthew 5, right, uh, that people may see your good deeds yeah. and give glory to God in heaven. And something in us just kind of stirs up like, oh, that's amazing. I, I won't get glory, but like I'm so excited that one day we can fully see we're going to be able to look back and see all those things that we didn't even realize. And we'll be happy, not for ourselves, yeah. 
but like our love, our joy yeah. of God will be like, yes, that's great. That's amazing. So it's interesting. I know we're going to wrap up here, but so, you know, I, I don't think that, um, I believe strongly in the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. I think God ordains all things. So, uh, Peter McMillan, uh, was here last, uh, this past week, uh, from Spain and, um, you know, and he, he just said, you know, listen, I don't think that I have the primary gifts of, of preaching and teaching. Uh, I'm a missionary, but I think God's given me the gift of helps. Mm-hmm. And he said, it took me a long time to realize that, you know, that's good. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's just been wrestling with all week long. This idea of the gifts of helps are a beautiful thing for mm-hmm. Christ's church. Yeah. Uh, so if you uh, are listening to this, think that you may not have the outward gifts of preaching and teaching, maybe mm-hmm. the ones that are not honored as much in the church. Beloved, do not uh, question God's wisdom. Right. Mm-hmm. He has given you all that you need uh, for his glory mm-hmm. to, to make the church a more beautiful place. So uh, press on. Press on the gifts of helps. And so. I think something I try to encourage someone with last night was if you're looking for fulfillment in your ministry now, you will not find it. If you're looking for like, man, I want to, I'm toiling, I don't feel what I, maybe I should for it. It's like, it's okay. One day you will. It's coming. Yeah. Keep serving, keep pressing, and then one day you're going to feel what you're like, man, it was all worth it. Amen. Amen. Will you pray us out? Uh, Father, what a gift it is that you not only save us, but you give us your spirit to and gift us so that we can be a blessing to others. God, we pray that we would do so, that we would give our time and energy, our, our, um, our, our, um, our gifts, so that um, you, the word of God would increase. So God, we thank you so much for your word, how precious it is in our sight. We pray, God, that we would be even more um, diligent to exercise our gifts uh, for the common good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.